Welcome to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. I'm so excited to have Margaret Wishingrad on here today. She's the CEO and co-founder of Three Wishes Serial, and I can't wait to hear about what this business journey has been like. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Alessandra. So I want to hear basically how you got started. What's your story and, um, and how did the business, you know, what's your personal story and how the business got started? Where did, where did you begin? Yeah. So, um, this is inspired in, in an interesting little way by my family. So my first son, who was a only child up until very recently, when he was born, I became one of these moms that really started to pay attention to everything that I fed my kid. And I realized by the time it came to introduce cereal to his life that I didn't feel comfortable with any cereal that was in market. And so I thought, okay, interesting. We've seen all these other foods evolve and cereal was the one category that was still the same junky stuff I had when I was a kid. And so uh, I turned to my husband, who is my co-founder, and I was like, Ian, uh, we have to do something about this. There has to be a better way to create cereal and better things to, to feed people out there. Um, and he was like, that's a brilliant idea. Let's do that. <laughs> and so that's kind of what inspired it. And so the brand's also a namesake for us because it's the three wishing grads. Well, now it's four, but it was the three um, wishes. And um, so that was part of it. And then we had three wishes for the product, which was we wanted to create a high protein, low sugar and a grain free alternative uh, to what was in market. That's amazing. So tell us, I mean, not that we need to go too deep into this, but just because I actually was kind of the same. I think once I had my son, I was like, wait a minute, everything is terrible for you. And I was shocked when I did the same thing. Like, I tried to feed him as little processed food as possible, but it was like, you know, you want to be able to just give him some Cheerios once in a while. And when I looked into it and saw that even like what you think of as pretty good cereal, like has, there are like things that worried you about like the wheat that is made with or something. And I admit it's been a couple of years since I got concerned about it and he hardly likes cereal anymore now. So I don't really know all the details, but there was, there was something about like, even just like the plain, like even the wheat, like had cancer causing ingredients, uh, cancer causing things in it yeah. or how it was grown and stuff. So like, even if you got like the plainest, like something with no sugar, even the oats I buy, I'm very specific about which brand of oats, because I saw like one brand one time that said that it's probably okay. And like all the other ones were like, it probably could make you very sick over time. <laughs> so I got a little, a, a little bit like really into that too. But for people who maybe have no idea what we're talking about. And again, I don't mean to say that that's like the main piece of it for you, but that was one of the things that I was like, what's wrong with cereal. So give us the super brief overview of what is wrong with cereal. Um, but I think what's really interesting is like as parents, you know, I wish I, when I started feeding him foods, I was making all my own homemade baby food. Like he's never had anything out of a baby mm -hmm. food jar. And I was Same super here. crazy about Same. that. But I think the reality is like, we're all busy, high functioning. Most of us are busy, high functioning individuals. And so as much as I wish I could make him a fresh spirulina smoothie in the morning or any of these other like, you know, cool Gwyneth Paltrow-y <laughs> things, that's not always the easiest thing to do. And so having something, you know, and we all realize it is a processed food still, but making better decisions is the biggest thing right. here. It's not about, um, you know, have everything come from the ground. I wish that were the, the option, but making it better was a big thing. And so cereal 
by by what it is. Cereal is a grain, right? And so we're we're learning a lot about how grains are really not that great for you. Unless they're like whole, unprocessed, like beautiful grains from the earth, they're really processed grains not great for you. And so you're seeing grain free is a massive trend, um, whether it's brain health or any of these other things that it helps you with. So finding something that we kind of could remove that grain out of it and create some cleaner plant-based situation was something really important for us. Um, then protein, we think about breakfast, right? And you think eggs and all these other super protein things to keep you full throughout the day. Cereal has no protein. Maybe some of these cereals might have a one gram or two grams. And then it's funny to see um, some of the bigger brands come out with like, you know, uh, a version that had like a big protein claim on it. And then you look and it's so interesting. Nutrition fact was, oh, with half a cup of milk. Like, of course, yes, there was protein <laughs> in your milk. So it was super interesting to see that. And so knowing that you're feeding your kid dessert, right? Cereal is sugar. And so for me, I was like, all right, we need to remove the sugar as much as we can and still keep it like, you know, fun, exciting, nostalgic, delicious cereal. We need to create some kind of protein component to it and we need to degrain it. And so it was all of these kind of moving pieces and figuring out what ingredients would allow you to do that. And so we decided to go with chickpea, pea protein, and tapioca as the base of what creates the cereal. And then, um, you know, using different spices and flavors, we were able to kind of recreate a lot of these classic cereals that we know and love. And that was the thing for us. It was, I have a little kid who's a super picky eater and like really, if he could live on donuts, he would. Um, And so for me, it was creating something where he doesn't know the difference from the junky cereal to the good cereal. And we were able to achieve that after two years of R&D development. Um, like product work, we were able to get to a place that we're really proud of that really mimics that same conventional cereal behavior. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love it. That's so amazing. And it seems really hard. Like (laughs) I just can't even imagine where to begin in terms of creating a food product in general. And especially one where you're trying to basically like re reinvent like cereal because you're trying not to use like any of the things that you would probably normally go to when you're making cereal. Did you guys have any kind of food background? Like where, what was like the first step when you were like, let's try to make this ourselves? Yeah. So we come from completely the other side. So um, Ian and I are both brand marketers. We have an ad agency here in New York. Uh, We've been working with different CPG products for a while and it's something we really love to do. Building brand is like in our, it's our thing. Um, and so the brand part of it was, uh, the really fun part of creating what three wishes looks like, feels like, speaks like. It yeah. Was- it has a, I mean, I was, that's one thing that I noticed was the branding is really great. Like you're yeah. like, I want this. It looks so cool. My son would like be excited to have the cereal cause it looks fun. Yeah. And, and that for us was like, actually the most difficult and most fun part because you're, it was like a shoemaker without a shoe situation. Mm-hmm. But on the food front, we were like, okay, I wish I could, like, it would have saved me so much time, money, tears if I was able to create this in my own kitchen. Um, and so cereal is not one of those things. It is super complex. You need really specific machinery, really specialized people that know how to create these types of things. So Ian, my husband, is one of the most interestingly networked people I've ever met in my life. And it was kind of like, okay, once we came up with the idea, um, it was really figuring out, you know, it was a ton of phone calls. It was calling someone that knew someone that knew someone that made cereal in the past. Um, Mm. So we were able to find a food scientist and kind of give them our list of, okay, these are the things our product needs to not have. These are the things we really want to try to play with and the ingredients we like. Uh, Let's see what we could do. And that was kind of the beginning. And then it was finding the right, you know, 
co-packer solution, the person, the, fa- the facility that would then produce the product, having all the right certifications. So it's so many steps. It is so much more complex than it seems, but is also super rewarding. Yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like it would be hard. <laughs> I was like, did you say it took about two years from yeah, kind of start to sell? Yep. So Ellis was about six months old when uh, we came up with the idea because that's when we started introducing those finger foods. And then by the time we launched, he was um, right around two and a half years old. So a whole two years. Wow, cool. But so, um, I mean, I have to ask, because I'm always, you know, the most curious of the totally behind the scenes thing. And I imagine that took like money to get started and also obviously two years of time where you were spending time on it. But did you say that you guys, did you guys own a branding company or yeah. you were, so yeah. We, so you kind of like ad agency. So that, so we kind of built this off of the back of our ad agency. So while, you know, while we're doing work for other clients and, and building brands for others, this was kind of the, the thing that I focused on. So I was really involved in making sure this got off the ground and Ian was making sure that our other business was thriving and doing what it needs to do. And so we kind of divide and conquer. And then where I need to pull him in, I pull him into three wishes. And then whenever he needed to pull me into something for the agency, he pulled me in there. So it was kind of finding that balance. Um, But this was really, you know, it was, how do we, how do we juggle a child? How do we juggle one primary business and this new, you know, venture that we had. And so it was kind of finding a way to balance all those things, but it, it, it worked. Somehow. Yeah, no, that's amazing. No, that's what I'm always curious about, though, because, you know, sometimes when people say like, oh, yeah, I did this, it took this long to build this thing. And I'm like, but how did you support like, how did you pay your rent in the meantime, or, you know, yeah. pay your mortgage. So I find that really interesting. And that seems like kind of the best of both best of all worlds that you guys had another business going. So you probably had that flexibility of doing what you needed to do with clients and also having an income coming in and also having that background for building this. That's really, really cool and interesting. And just how do people buy it? Like, is this, I, I know you can shop from your straight from your website. Like, is that what most people do? Just order it online? Are you in stores? Like, yeah, so we're in over a thousand stores now. Um, you can buy us at any sprouts in the country. You could buy us at select whole foods. You could buy us on thrive market online. You could buy the fresh direct. You could buy us. There's, if you go to our store locator on our website, we are in a ton of different cities um, and really continuing to grow and have some fun, exciting news for 2021. Um, but yeah, we are, we have a pretty good retail footprint and um, that is something that's super important to the business. So we are available online as well. You can find us on Amazon. Uh, a Google search is a wonderful thing and will lead you to a place where you can most definitely find and buy our product. Cool. That sounds like a major piece of it too, though. How did you, did you go about like reaching out to stores? I feel like that's something people ask a lot and are interested in a lot when they're starting a business. Like how do you get into the retail markets that you yeah. want to I be mean, in? When we thought about our product in general, when you think about cereal, for me, it was like, we're not Casper where I'm delivering you a cheaper mattress or Warby where you could try on glasses and figure out what you want and is disrupting like you know, Luxottica, which is a, a massive conglomerate brand for us, it was where cereal, right? And how do people consume it? Who consumes it? What's the price point? And how do we kind of disrupt the actual product type and what it's made of? Um, but kind of keep a lot of the same behavioral things because mm-hmm. it is difficult to change a ton of things, right? You can't tell your consumer a million things. It really comes down to figuring out what that one thing you want to change is. And for us, it was, okay, cereal is in grocery stores. It is one of the longest and biggest aisles with the most SKUs that you can find in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay. So we want to be in grocery stores. 
box. It has to be in a box. It has to have a shape that people recognize. Um, and then price point too was a big thing for us. And so creating a product that's an approachable price point, you could buy this in retail for $5.99. Um, and so it's not that much more than your standard cereal. And so for us, that was pretty important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so once we identify that retail is an important you know, key component to the business for us, we decided to then think about, okay, where do you, where does our demographic, a healthier millennial parent or healthier millennial consumer, or maybe even someone that's older, where's a healthier consumer shop? So we look at places like Sprouts, like Whole Foods, and you know, one of these smaller health stores, and, and kind of that for us was the thing to tackle. And then, you know, via network, the same way we found the right people to produce it was how do we find the right people uh, to either help us with introductions to these buyers and, and figuring that out. And so we just did that. It takes, you know, a ton of phone calls and, and footwork. And then we got there and we tell our story to buyers the same way, you know, I've told my story to you and they try the product and, and that pretty much goes from there. And they're excited to carry it and bring it to their consumers as well. Cool. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It sounds like a lot of, you guys had a lot of good connections and, and had to use that. Network, Those definitely which, help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What is it like just running, well, running two businesses, I guess, with your husband? Tell us about that. Like, how have you guys figured out how to like work the best together? Like, sounds like you might not have that much like differentiation between like working together, parenting together, living together. What is that like? It's so funny because I think the pandemic for people where they haven't had to work next to their spouse or with their spouse. Um, has been an interesting learning curve for many. For us, it's been the easiest thing because mm-hmm. we're used to being next to each other all the time. It is like part of our fabric. Like I, my left arm is Ian. Like I don't know anything else. I think I'd feel weird if I didn't sit next to him and work with him most of the day. But I think the very first couple of months, and this is like six, you know, six years ago when we started working together, it was it was difficult. Like there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot of opinions. Uh, you learn to resolve your problems quickly because you realize they bleed into your your personal life and marriage and all these other things too. So for us, it was just like identifying. Okay, I have a really great design eye. Ian has a really good copy first type of like focus. And so here's my lane. Here's your lane. And then when it comes to three wishes, mine is definitely operation and running the company and creating the product. And Ian is definitely the sales, the PR and the marketing. And so we kind of, you, you have to divide and conquer. And I think it's similar to parenting. It's like someone has to, you know, someone has to do that. I got it. I'm picking them up. Right. And so it's, it's the same thing. And so you learn, you learn to work together. And so for us, you had a couple months in the beginning years ago that we would like yell at each other and the occasional argument, you know, here and there now, but it's, it's one of those things. It's a work in progress all the time. Yeah, but I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do the business with anyone else. It is so fun to work with truly my best friend. And, you know, like there, there are times when it's two in the morning and we're just like hanging out, looking at each other in bed, like, okay, what do you think about this idea or this flavor? And like, there is no division between the two, mm-hmm. um, but we truly love what we do. So we don't feel like there needs to be the, that division either. So it's, it's an interesting, weird, complex thing, but it works. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Were you guys married when you first started the the first business or was that before you were no, married? No, we were we were dating. So oh. I was I was just girlfriend um and his business was growing and I was like, "All right, let's see what happens if I, you know, help you out a day a week." And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's like 40 hours a week, 80 okay. hours a week and <laughs> then I'm fiance, then I'm wife, and now it's two babies and a lot of businesses. So. That's amazing. What does, what is, what else does the team look like? Do you have other people that help you or do you guys pretty much manage? I mean, obviously knowing that you're not 
doing the production because that's obviously somewhere but <laughs> what is there are there other members of the uh, like main operating team yeah so um we have on on the three wishes side the only other person is melissa who actually works on our, our agency side as well and she is like a sister to me and at, like it's all family it's so funny we are like a family brand right the whole thing for three wishes is the wishing grads um and we operate all of our businesses like family so she bleeds over to both businesses and then uh, the agency has its own like, you know, people that we pull to do the work and three wishes is mostly just, you know, the three of us and contractors. And so we just like make it work. Cool. Yeah. What, um, what is your actual, I know you said you, you said before we started recording that you have a two month old baby at home. So obviously knowing that that probably turned your life on its head for a little bit, getting used to a new, a second child. But what does your day look like in terms of, you know, running this business and having your kids and how do you, do you have certain things that you try to like organize around your day? Yeah. The, so my, my life right now is currently chaos, uh, which is fun because balancing kids that, and you know, no school kids, businesses uh, is, is, crazy. There's no real normal schedule. It's, it's, it's funny that you asked like, uh, that you mentioned the two month old, because most recently the day we had him was actually the day we were producing our newest flavor. And I never even told our co-packer that I was pregnant. Oh my uh, gosh. And so like literally minutes before having him, I was on the call troubleshooting things and Ian was looking at me like, you're absolutely out of your mind. And so it was like troubleshooting, troubleshooting new baby. And there was no like break. There's no maternity leave. There's no shut your job mm-hmm. off and, you know, have your, have your kid and family, but it's, it's juggling. It It's really crazy. Like sometimes I'm like, it really also takes a village. And so it's, it's a blend between like, Hey, Ian, can you help out? Hey, mom, dad, or like, you know, we figure out a way to do it and it's tough, but it gets done. It's one of these things like there's no pattern. I wish there mm-hmm. were a pattern. Hopefully no, I hear once you. he's sleeping better, there's a pattern, but right now it's just madness. Yeah, no, I, I always, I'm always a little wary to even ask moms that question. I, I feel like I, my son is turning six next week and I like still can't really get into much routine. <laughs> like I don't really have like a morning routine because any day that I'm, okay, I'm like, okay, this week I'm going to like wake up a little earlier and do these things like in the morning before it's quiet. Literally like a he like senses me getting out of bed. The earlier I get up, he'll always wake up five minutes later. You know, if I, if He's I'm like, okay, I'm bloodhounds, they smell it. They know yeah. you're yeah. like, Oh, finally peace and quiet. Just kidding. <laughs> No. no, it's true. I'm like, I, every time I try to implement any kind of routine or something that does not involve him, <laughs> he's going to find a way that that's going to be the night that he like never goes to bed. If I thought, okay, I'm going to actually try to do like, you know, some kind of thing at night in the evening to wind down or whatever it is, it's going to get ruined. Nope. But, yep. <laughs> but then I do talk to some moms who seem to have it. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on, <laughs> I don't know. Some people are like, oh yeah, I have this whole morning routine and then this is what my day looks like. And then I do this and I find it very inspiring. So I always do want to ask, but I'm with you. So in terms of the cereals, it sounds like you already have a lot of different flavors. How are you coming up with new kinds? And what does that like product development look like? Yeah, so I think it goes back to that similar like thesis on cereal where it's, I don't necessarily feel like we need to reinvent the, the 
familiarity that people love about it, which is the flavor thing too, right? So for us, we have a cinnamon, a cocoa, a honey, a fruity, and an unsweetened. And so it was kind of, let's go off of top 10 cereals, right? So let's tackle the honey nut Cheerio type, the cinnamon toast crunch type, the cocoa puff or whatever comparable cocoa flavor. And so for us, it's let's continue taking popular cereals and making a healthier alternative. I don't necessarily think anyone's like, oh, let's have an avocado matcha flavor this week. So mm-hmm. um, definitely not really doing anything super wild and out of the ordinary, just going to continue tackling great, good, big cereal that we remember as kids and just giving you a better option for it. And then on the R&D side, um, once we decide what that flavor is, it's months and months of, you know, different flavor development and understanding, you know, how to, how to get there. And it's just tweaking on tweaking similarly to the way we did when we created the product. And do you, this might be like, I mean, I just, I know nothing about like creating a food, but (laughs) do you like have to go to the factory and they try something like putting something together and you taste it and you're like, oh, you know, it needs more cinnamon. And then they try to make another like small batch like that. It's so, it's so not as Willy Wonka as, as it seems. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I can't even like comprehend how you would even start to begin putting flavors together onto a cereal. Like I just have no sense of what that entails. the The common thing between all of our cereals is the actual puff like the base of the cereal is um, the same. So not, none of that needs to be changed. It's all of the additions, right? And what we're coating it with. And so uh, we basically start to think about how to formulate that coating and then have, you know, our food scientist or our facility just basically play with it in the test kitchen, create a couple different variations. We taste them, we figure out what we want to tweak and we just keep tweaking and tweaking until it's perfect. And then you take that to production. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, you make that sound kind of easy, but but I'm it sure would be it's not. Super, oh yeah, no, it's complex. But I wish it were as like cool. You take like a boat ride through a chocolate river, <laughs> and you end up in like the gobstopper room or something ridiculous. But yes, no, it's not. It, it's a lot more laboratory looking than it than it looks like. Uh, that would be really very cool. Yeah. But even still, I mean, factories are really cool. Like, I my son loves to watch YouTube videos of like like how it's made type of videos, like different things being like produced in like a factory. Is it, do you guys ever go like actually see it being? Yeah. I mean, I was up until the pandemic, I was flying uh, multiple times a month Mm. to our co-packer or, you know, to where our ingredients are are made, produced and, you know, checking and vetting all of these things. It was a whole lot of travel to really just watch this get done. And so it's, you got to be there and you have to be hands-on. And, you know, I was the first couple of runs that we were doing, I was standing in the actual, like right off the line where the cereal comes off and tasting every batch and understanding like, Hey, is there a consistency? Hey, do we want to change any texture? Do we want to improve shape? Do we want like so many little nuances? Um, and you really have to be hands-on. It's your baby. Yeah. Thank God you had that stuff kind of all figured out before the pandemic and you can travel as much. Yeah. But, um, and yeah, I mean, so this again might be a stupid question and maybe nobody, I I hope nobody else is going to listen to this and be like, why does she care about these things? But I find this really interesting, but so it's the place that's making the cereals. Like, are they making it for you all the time? Are they like making this cereal like one week and then like next week they're making like a different brand of cereal because like the machines or, or the kitchens that they're using, like are made for making cereal. Like what is, what does that look like? Do you know? We we would be in a great, of course, um, we we would be in a great place if I was producing this product every single day. Um, These are extremely high volume, massive machines, right? So 
they're producing thousands of pounds an hour. It's oh, wow. like, it's a lot. It's so they can make your cereal in like a day. Yeah, it's for not a like month. baking a tray of granola, like where you're, you're right. not like doing a tray at a time, throwing it into a box, sealing it with a kiss. Um, this is like big production. So yeah, you, you have designated weeks or days mm. that you're able to run. And then, you know, it's also based on allergens. And so we are gluten-free, we are non-GMO, we are, um, you know, a ton of these things. So it's figuring out and identifying when you have line time and that's kind of it. And so other times they produce products for a different array of products, whether they're cereals or not. And so that's kind of, you know, you get your time on the line, you, you create your product and then you wait until it's your turn again. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't know. That's so interesting to me. Like, cause I'm always like, like, how do you have it that shape? Like, and then do they have like a different shape? machine thing that they have to put on to make <laughs> like you know I can't even think of a different yeah I mean cereal off the top there's so I mean so many shapes in cereal right your most common is like a loop and an O but you think about different you know there are like pebbles and flakes and yeah there's just a million different things you could do but yeah there's there's so many fun layers to cereal and so many different things you could do it is it's a whole lot of fun stuff. But yes, there are so many different machine parts that you can interchange and create, you know, different lengths, shapes, textures. It's super cool. Wow. Yeah, that sounds fun. I bet your kids are going to love like watching that too. When, well, I guess when the second one gets bigger, I feel like the older one already probably does. You could care less. He's, he's oh, really? Result. Yeah, no, he's like so not interested. He'd rather watch people play with toys on YouTube. Oh, yeah, mine too. Mine too. <laughs> He loves that too. But go for it, kid. I know. It's so weird. But yeah, I definitely try to encourage more of the how it's made type of things. But no, they love watching other kids play with toys. Um, how much cereal do you guys eat in your house? Do you guys go through like boxes of cereal a lot? Or are you kind of like, I don't even want to eat it? I feel like sometimes when you spend a long time cooking something, then you're like, I don't even want to eat this tonight. That's so funny. <laughs> when I used to travel to produce it, I would literally eat this cereal all day. And at the end of the day, I was like, I need a break. <laughs> like, I can't look at this for like a week. Um, but we have it most days in the house. The kiddos, like, you know, we have all the flavors laying around. So he'll like pick a flavor that day. He'll snack on it. I'll be snacking on it in the office. It's like it falls into our life in a, a ton of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, when we first launched it, I was sitting and eating bowls of it. And now I'm like, how do I just stay above water, balancing two kids, throwing something in my mouth? Um, so it's been a snack more these days than than a full meal. Yeah, it's perfect thing to have on hand when you're trying to wrangle the kids. Well, I, I mean, I admit I've never tried it, but I definitely want to now. I'm feeling very hungry for cereal at the moment. So <laughs> definitely oh. going to get some. I'm going to yeah. see if they have it in the Whole Foods near me and otherwise have to order some, I think. What city are you in? In Boston. Mm, that Whole Foods may not have it, but we can we can find a way to get you some. I will look it up. Well, I already just Googled it as you were first saying that. And I see it's on like, I see, I saw it on Amazon. I think I saw like Fry's Market did it, I think Rive, came up. Yep. Rive has it. There are some places in, in the Boston area that should have it as well. But yeah, well, make sure you try it. Find it. What do you have any, like, I know you kind of alluded to some fun stuff coming up in the new year. Do you have anything, any kind of plans that you can share with us or any kind of expectations of where you are going to go next? What else you're going to do? How are you going to keep growing the business? Yeah. So I think for us, the biggest thing is making sure as a brand, I think in general, I think about 
really being able to offer a healthier alternative to things we love. And that's always going to kind of be the criteria. And so we're just continuing to work on different naughty foods and figure out how to not Mm -hmm. make them naughty anymore and make them something that you're okay with feeding your kid, yourself, um, and having a part of your life again. And I just want to be a trusted brand, right? We're transparent on what our ingredients are. We're transparent on what is important to us on the claim side. And so continuing to do that and just become a trusted household brand is really something that we're focused on. And then you'll see kind of as the year progresses, what's, what's cooking in this kitchen. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for sure. That sounds really cool. Anything else that you want to want to share with people about? Yeah, I think some of the like, you know, most important learnings for me is really not to, it's like so cliche, but not to be afraid of rejection and not to be afraid to email two times, three times, 12 times, mm-hmm. um, and really be persistent about what you want. I can't tell you how many no's I've gotten before producing the cereal from different people to even produce it or, you know, different, you know, making sure you're getting the retailer meeting or whatever it is. It takes a lot of thick skin and a lot of persistence. And it's one of those, like, there is no impossible. You can get it done. There is no product like ours in the market. People were telling me I'm crazy thinking I'm going to get the macros and the type of product and the taste and all these things. Um, And it just takes time and persistence and really just go for it. If you have a dream and there's a need for it in the market and you you think this is going to change someone's life, go for it. Yeah. I love that. No matter like if you can make it happen, as long as you have that persistence, I think that's so true in most things. I don't take excuses or no's. Yeah. No, I love that. What's, is there one thing that you wish you had known more about when you first began your business? There are a thousand things I wish I knew more about. Um, you know, every, everyone's like, what's the hard part of running it? Every day, there's a thousand yeah. fire drills. Like the enjoyable part is having people message me and say like, you know, my kid it has autoimmune issues or diabetes or I myself or whatever it is like your product has changed my life. Like those are the beautiful mm-hmm. heartwarming things and the reasons to why I, I, you know, wake up and do what I do. But there are a thousand things that go wrong every day, whether your truck gets stranded or whatever it is, like there's always something that needs to be done. Um, and there are lessons I'm learning every minute of every day, but I don't think I would change a thing because it's helped me get to where I am. And, you know, I've learned and become much better of an entrepreneur and an operator and you, you learn by burning your hand, I guess. So we figure it out. Yeah, totally. And I have to ask, do you have a favorite a favorite flavor of the cereal or favorite type? It's like asking me if I have a favorite child. Is uh, it? Yeah, <laughs> you no, love them I, all. It's funny. Um, when we first created the product, Ian was like, I, the cinnamon's my favorite. I'm like, you can't tell that to people, Ian. I'm like, you can't tell them that's your favorite. Cinnamon's really good. Cocoa is like, cocoa took us the longest because chocolate mm-hmm. is such a complex flavor. Like there's a real balance to it. Um, but fruity that we just launched is actually like one of my favorites. It is I think the one, mm. it's very Fruit Loop Fruity Pebbles. So it plays the most like childhood cereal part for me. And it is really, Fruity feels like one of those like the naughtiest flavors. They're always crazy colored. Mm-hmm. They're always like super sugary. Um, mm-hmm. So this week I've been really into Fruity. This week. Wait, when did, so when did that one launch? Well, technically launches in a few days. Oh, okay. Well, by the time this comes out, it won't be that. So you were like dealing with that development during COVID. Is kind of what I'm thinking about. Oh, I was I was dealing with cocoa during COVID too. Oh, was, really? Yeah, I mean, we launched cocoa 
in a really crazy news cycle. So we did a really fun thing where we were able, it was so fun. We were able to get all of the living cast members of the Will, original Willy, Willy Wonka circling back again. Um, Cause when we wow. thought about it, we were launching our cocoa in a pandemic where people couldn't try our product. We used to do a lot of demoing and sampling and you'd be able mm-hmm. to try it and be like, Oh my God, this is so good. Throw it in the cart. And now that you can't do that, how do you get someone to, you know, know that your chocolate cereal is delicious. And so Ian and I were sitting, we're like, oh my God, what if we got all of the cast members of like, who knows better chocolate better than, you know, the Willy Wonka team. And so we got Ian tracked down like by literally a thousand phone calls, FaceTimes. Um, I have so many funny stories there, but uh, was able to get everyone that's the living cast member of the Willy Wonka team to endorse our product. And that was kind of how we launched it. We have like, we have a video that shows the original Charlie Bucket, whose name is Peter and like the loveliest guy in upstate New York who's a vet. Like none of them are child stars anymore. They're all like doing mm-hmm. something else in life. And so our one thing was, I'm going to send you the product. And if you like it, you have to send me a video. And they were all like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I'm whatever, like a healthy cereal. That sounds like that's going to taste like cardboard. And so everybody got their box and they all loved it. And so they all sent us a video endorsing it and loving it. And so oh my we, launched, we launched our cocoa with that. But it was like a vicious news cycle when we launched it. So it was really hard to break through and make sure people saw that asset and heard that story. So that was kind of a fun little challenge. But yeah, a lot of our, you know, we launched our product October, 2019 and we had all of our major rollouts this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. October, 2019 was like just before everything. Yeah. So we kind of, our business really grew during a pandemic and it like grew pretty quickly. So it was really fun to watch. It was, it was an interesting, like difficult thing to do too, but you know, we don't really look at it. It's just like, it's another, it's another wrench thrown into the the road that we have to figure out how to operate around. And so we found our way out and super thrilled with how, you know, 2020 went for the business and really excited for the continued growth. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I think though, too, like, I mean, I know a lot of people have really struggled obviously this year and, you know, money's been tight for a lot of people and this and that, maybe they're not trying new things, but I know for a lot of others of us, like 2020 was the year of like, I'm ordering all my groceries online and food is one thing that's bringing me joy. (laughs) I bought like more, like, you know, I tried more things, I think. And like, I was more willing to try special things or fancy things or different things than I normally would if I had been, you know, just going into stop and shop myself as I used to. So I wonder, I mean, I bet that was probably kind of good for you guys. I bet. I feel like people would be like, yeah, I want to try like this. Yeah. What's, what's so interesting is right. People have never had their kids home so much. They had to feed them right, all these too. meals. So like, you know, breakfast and sitting down for breakfast has become a thing. Not like it's a sit down cook type of thing. Like this is totally, you can eat on the go situation. But I think now people have their kids home. And I think what was interesting is if you look at the trends in the beginning of the pandemic, no one knew how long this was going to go on for. They're like, all right, we're going to shut the world down for four weeks and come back and all, you know, hug and shake hands again and be okay. Um, And I think we're starting to realize life is not like that. So you saw for those first couple of months and weeks, people were resorting to like bad junky, like chips Mm -hmm. and all these other like things that aren't the greatest for you because it was like, oh, you know, we're just hibernating, having a party, enjoying life. Like, sitting home indoors. And then I think, you know, everyone gained that like COVID-15, they called it. And now I think a couple months after that, people realized 
all right, life is going, this is the new normal. Like I have to get back to my life, whether it means, you know, I'm not doing my workouts in a gym and I have to figure out how to do them in between my kids at home, or, you know, I can't have pizza every night of the week anymore. And I need to figure out how to eat normally again. So it's, you know, people are really excited to try new alternatives and really incorporate new foods in their lives that are on the healthier side. And I think it was nice to see the consumer come back to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and cereal is one of those comfort foods. And so when you're stressed, but you want to stay healthy, it like falls into this really weird, great bucket. And so mm-hmm. um, it's been, it's been great for, for the brand as well. Yeah, no, I mean, how strange, but I totally, I mean, I totally see that. I could see that. And I wonder what it will be like for like kids who are now growing up, like, there's going to be this memory, I think, of that year. I guess now we're out of it. But I don't know, you know, like where people like are going to now associate it if they started eating Three Wishes cereal during the time when like the whole family was at home and it was all cozy and we were on top of each other and we were whatever. I mean, I don't know. I feel like there should be all those memories. So cozy is such a kind word to give everyone <laughs> on top of each other. Um, but yeah, totally. No, I mean, my son's love, my son loves it. My son loves being at home. I mean, and like, just like being with us all the time and being underfoot. And my my home. three and a half year old is living for of this pandemic. Like, yeah. He, he, he what has his mom and dad home all the time. We were traveling like, you know, mm-hmm. four or five days out of the week, just like on a road show with the brand. And then all of a sudden, um, or, you know, me doing product or all these things. And so all of a sudden he doesn't have to go to school. He's sitting next to mom and dad all day, like dreamy. Yeah. Sign him up. No, he's exactly. loving it. But I can't imagine like, it's really tough for kids that are a bit older and miss that social interaction with other kids, their age and, you know, are doing school remotely and have to wear masks. Like, it seems yeah. like a really traumatic, weird year for, for a lot of these kids. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure. I think it definitely is. But I'm in the same kind of age bracket as you with my son being five. And he had been going to preschool and is like thrilled to stay home. And yeah, my husband would be out all the time. Now he's always home. So I think there's going to be certain a certain little pocket of kids who have really great memories from this that they're like probably young enough that they're not going to have very strong memories, but they might have some associations with like certain new foods that they tried that ended up becoming, I don't know, favorite snacks and things like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens, I guess, when, when people start to get older and have what, what memories stick out. But totally. well, I'm so happy to have talked with you. That sounds honestly like, I don't know, I'm, I'm seriously impressed by <laughs> you guys being able to just create a cereal and by changing a product that, you know, people are so used to cereal, but you like totally turned it on its head to turn it into something so much better. And I just think that's so cool. Thanks. So, thank you for coming on and talking with me. This is awesome. Thanks for having me on. Tell people actually where they can... I guess where they can find the cereal and where they can find like you or what they should follow online or how they yeah, can get so in touch can, with anything. Yep. You can follow uh, three wishes on Instagram at three wishes. You can follow me personally at MB wish. We are available at a thousand different stores throughout the country. You can find us online and see where those stores are on our website, which is three wishes cereal.com. And that's, that's that. Awesome. Oh, and I just, I just looked as we were talking. If anyone's near me, it's at Wegmans in the Boston area. So I will be going there. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to Quotable, a female millennial entrepreneur podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes so other people will be able to find us easily. 
Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on this show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and contact links are always in the show notes. If you have questions or ideas for a future episode or you want to submit a guest or to see those show notes, you can do all of that online at quotablemediaco.com slash podcast. One other thing, join other listeners on Facebook and Instagram by searching female millennial entrepreneurs and joining us there. Talk to you soon and see you there.